0: episode two of By a Thread, and I'm so excited for you all to hear this chat I had with the super talented, hilarious Jen Zabrowski. Jen is an actor, writer, producer, and a genius because she created and hosts one of my favorite podcasts of all time, We Need to Talk About Britney. And yes, that's Britney Spears. I can't tell you how much joy this show has brought into my life, and not just because the subject matter is exclusively related to content that's so close to my heart, but Jen does such a great job of using humor and pop culture to really analyze and explore these real significant substantial topics like fame and relationships and mental health and so much more. And also her guest roster is out of control. So the first episode featured America's sweetheart, Mandy Moore, and then she went and opened season two with America's other sweetheart, Lance Bass of NSYNC. It's crazy she's also had tons of other incredible insightful people in her studio and by the way her studio features a life-size britney cutout and she references it often and i love it i just love everything she's doing so shout out to our mutual friend melissa for knowing that britney would be the uniting force that really brought us together please everyone enjoy my chat with jen zabrowski really grateful that you were able to take the time to do this as I'm like kind of figuring out what to do and I'm just really sick of like meeting incredible women who do incredible things and I just want to write about them and then I come up against as a freelancer just trying to pitch it and then editors being like oh you know doesn't fit our whatever standards for whatever reason and I just want to tell women stories and I just I've been so lucky being a journalist to meet so many so Yeah, and you made the top of my list when I was like putting together my dream, my dream people. So I'm so excited to include you. Oh
1: oh my gosh, thank you for including me. That's so nice of you to say that,
0: Jen Zabrowski. I would love to know a little bit about you because all I really know is that you are uh, just a Britney shining light in my life right now. (laughs) You're curious.
1: What? What? uh, Is there more to me than loving Britney Spears?
0: (laughs) I don't know if the answer is yes or no. I don't know, really. (laughs) I mean, I kind of just want that to be it. But I have a feeling you had a life before, and we'll get to Brittany, like literally number two on my list. But prior to Brittany entering your life, who were you? Where did you come from?
1: I grew up in a small town, Amsterdam, New York, Mm -hmm. um, the other Amsterdam. It's a, it's a small town in upstate New York. It's right near Albany and uh, in Saratoga in the, uh, the Hudson Valley. And uh, my mom and dad, my mom was a Long Island girl and my dad was from Albany and mm-hmm. they uh, had gotten married and they drove around. My dad's a podiatrist and he, at this point, had gone to podiatry school and they were like, where are we going to set up shop literally. And they drove around. And, um, my mom looked, looked down as they were driving on route 30 and looked down and saw this little town. And she called it, uh, what did it, she called it? Her, her, um, her little like diamond or something mm-hmm. like that. Like she knew they, they just wanted to live there. They like pulled in and it's a super charming charming town and it's, um, had some, some rough times. We were, we were known as the carpet city and it was, um, so our town produced all of all like rugs and carpets. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: then, um, so we have all these factories in our town and most of them moved down South. And so our town took a big hit and, um, and really never really came back from it. But the people who live there, I mean, my parents are kind of even seen as new in town still. Um, and you know, this was when they were like 20, 25 and 27 when they were choosing a place to live, um, and start their family. So it's a really special place and it really, um, means a lot to me. And so like, when I talk about it, it's like, oh my gosh, we're going to talk this much about like where you grew up. But I, I love where I'm from, and uh, I love the people where I'm from, and there's a great sense of community. And because so many generations have stayed there, it's uh, like I'm a rarity that I left that I left town. And some of my friends are still there, and uh, and it was pretty dreamy. Like I said, my dad was a podiatrist, my mom yeah. was a teacher, um, and then a, a stay-at-home mom and like truly defined what it meant to be a homemaker. And um, all of the other uh, women in town in our neighborhood uh, were my mom's like very dear friends, and they all had kids around the same time. And so I was kind of raised by not just even my mom, but all of these women uh, in in our neighborhood. Uh, and Uh, so a sense of community and being a part of sisterhood and learning from all of these, these women uh, like really stuck with me. And I think that's where it all, where it all began.
0: That's awesome. And I feel like that is, I grew up, I was born and raised in San Francisco. So like definitely not, uh, you know, like it was definitely a city urban vibe and I didn't have that kind of like close community. So that just sounds lovely. And it's nice to hear someone who like has such fond feelings for where they grew up from like where they grew up because so often people just want to get the fuck out clearly you did make the move so how did that come about um why why like was it difficult to leave um given how beautiful and nice your upbringing was
1: well it was funny because
0: i was from this
1: small town and my parents uh really wanted my sister and I to go to a Catholic high school Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's how they were raised. You know, it was like, that's just what you do. And so we didn't have one in our town. And so my sister and I ended up both going to this parochial Catholic high school in Albany, New York called Bishop McGinn. And it was kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen Sister Act 2, but that was Jennifer course I have. Yes. And <laughs> Lauren Hill. Yeah. You yes. know it. So yes. Yes. that yes. was in a nutshell, my high school experience. Oh
0: my God. So it
1: was funny because my sister and I would travel 40 minutes every day to go to high school. And so like the assumption then would be, Oh, to go to like some hoity-toity private school. But really it was like, we were driving to go to high school in the inner city of Albany, New York. So I went from being like a country bumpkin to a city kid it was the best. Like Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it. And we didn't have, I knew from a young age that I wanted to get into performing. I just like Mm -hmm. always naturally knew that that's where I wanted to end up. Mm -hmm. And there weren't a lot of opportunities to perform. So I, so I knew like college was my way to make that happen. So I was Mm -hmm. in the one school play or I guess that we, there was two, two school Mm -hmm. plays a year. And then I would always read at mass. So like we would have church, I think we have mass every, every Friday or maybe once a month. And I always volunteered to read because it was just a way to perform. And then I was like, okay, How am I going to make this happen? (laughs) And I just decided, I was like, I'm going to school for acting. Mm -hmm. And I auditioned and I got into one place. I got into Emerson College. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lovely woman named Maureen O'Shea (laughs) was my (laughs) auditor. And she said yes on the spot and made it happen. I had not so great grades. Mm -hmm. And luckily I got in and it changed my life got into a comedy troupe and, uh, and I was changed forever and like met my people. And then Emerson has a, a semester in that you can do in LA Mm -hmm. and that I was, I knew like I'm definitely doing that. And I did, and I moved out here and, um, for that semester, I got an internship at Jimmy Kimmel. And oh it was goodness. at the beginning of his show. I think he had maybe done it for a year, maybe two. Mm-hmm. And uh, and from there, I became uh, from after being their uh, their intern, I became the receptionist. Mm-hmm. And I became the world's worst receptionist. <laughs> um, but I had loads of enthusiasm, and <laughs> and then I just stayed. And then yeah. I moved to LA, and I've been here ever since.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. So how long has it been now that you've been out there?
1: That was in two, I graduated in 2004. So, oh my gosh,
0: like 14 years. It's so crazy. Oh, that's so awesome. I think that's very brave, first of all, because I have been planted in the same city for most of my life. So I think that's incredibly brave <laughs> to make a <Ed> move <laughs> like that. I know we've skipped ahead to past college now, but let's, let's talk about Brittany. So I, I graduated college in 2006, so basically same era. And I very distinctly remember being in a car and hearing Baby one more time come on the radio and just think like, I couldn't understand what kind of music it was. Like I didn't, I I still like viscerally remember just I couldn't make sense because I hadn't heard pop on the radio in so long. And like, I just, I had been obsessed with like Paul Abdul as a kid and all of that, but it had been so long that I was just, like was fascinated and I was like, what is this? Um, and lo and behold, it was Brittany. Do you remember like that first introduction of when that all, when she came out and what you thought?
1: It's so funny is that I, I, I kind of don't. I remember <laughs> the first time I remember the first moment I heard Jeannie in a bottle. I was in, uh, I, I was in, uh, my family's, Jeep Cherokee that was my mom's and it was my sister's and then became mine that we referred to as the black beauty. And I was with my friends and I remember who I was with. And I remember like even the street I was on in my town. And I remember that moment very clearly, Mm. but I don't remember the first time I heard hit me baby one more time. It kind of just feels like Brittany was always a part of
0: I think she was,
1: (laughs) frankly. It's very bizarre. I just remember loving her and being like, you're okay, you've just always been here doing this. Like, she quickly just became my, you know, North Star, very, just very quickly, instantly. Yep. Um. So I don't remember the moment of inception. It just kind of like
0: happened. <laughs> I think that makes it more magical, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's amazing. And I mean, so clearly like this podcast has become, I think it's become a phenomenon, frankly. And I feel like the guest list has been incredible. What What was the evolution? Like how did you first think of it? What was like, what was the motivation behind it?
1: Well, really I had... I had gone through a, a creative uh, breakup. I was in a I was in a writing partnership, and we we broke up, and it was really devastating to me. And um, and I uh, I just I knew I didn't know like what was next, mm-hmm. and I had started writing, and I was working on a few other things, but I. I was like, I wanted to do something on my own and, and I wanted to do it. I was ready. And I was just like, okay, come to me. Like whatever the next thing is, just like, please like hands (laughs) up in the air, like move through me. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. And, um, and then I was like, well, I like collaborating. And the whole thing was I had reached out to so many people for their advice and they said, my only piece of advice would be, don't collaborate. You're ready. <laughs> do something on your own. You always want to do something with people. Just do something on your own. And and I thought, well, how can I get around that advice <laughs> and not follow it? <laughs> and it. I thought to myself, okay, I want to do something about Britney Spears or with Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> like, this is how I can collaborate even if she's not in the room with me mm-hmm. and um, Which she is
0: the cardboard cutout is always there, right?
1: always there. I'm looking yeah. at her right
0: now. She's, oh, she's I'm right so in jealous. front of me. Yeah. Oh my right there. That's what I feel. I felt that. <laughs> <attitude>. yep, yep.
1: <laughs> and all of a sudden it just, it like came to me and um, my husband came home from work one day and I just like walked in the living room and I was like, I think I got it. I think I know what it is it's a podcast and it's called, we need to talk about Brittany <laughs> and it will only be 10 episodes. So at first I thought it will just be these 10 episodes and it will be all of her albums, her nine mm-hmm. albums with her 10th with the, the greatest hits album. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to interview people and I'm going to break down her albums. And that's kind of like how it started, mm-hmm. how the idea started. And um, then I started talking to some Podcast networks, no one was interested. I had like some interest, but not really. Mm-hmm. And then I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna start making them. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I put up all the albums uh on a cork board and I uh reached out to people who I knew and specifically asked them to do like certain episodes. Mm-hmm. And I saved the first album, baby one more time blank. I just left it. Hmm. And I had this idea. I really wanted, I knew I wanted either Mandy Moore, Miley Cyrus. Oh yeah. Um I think that was those were the two where I was like, I just want Miley Cyrus and Mandy Moore. Or Mandy Moore because they had both well I thought Mandy would be great for so many reasons. Yeah. Um that I think are, you know, it's clear after hearing it. And then Miley Cyrus has been so supportive of Brittany and they um, and the way she talks about her, I really, I really connect with how she talks about Brittany and they have the same manager. And so I just thought like, okay, I, I feel like she would be a great guest. So, um, so I just left that blank and sometimes I, or in the past, I've had a, a real problem with not getting things across the finish line. Mm-hmm. And so some close friends, uh, were nervous that I had left that one blank because they're like, I think that means you're just trying to not finish it. And I was like, no, like I'm going to, I'm just going to wait and see. And I need to figure out what this is. And so I did some interviews and I think I did like, I did maybe like Jason. Oh, I did Lauren Morelli first. Mm -hmm. who's an amazing writer. So good. She's so, she's so wonderful. And we've been friends for a very long time. And so that was very easy. And she was one of the, first people I shared the idea with. So I did that. Like, I just like got my feet wet. And yep. then when the time was right, I, Mandy and I had some friends in common and I reached out to a friend and I was just, I don't think she'll even say yes. Like, I don't know. What do you think? And they, they said, well, who knows what she'll say, but I'll put you in touch. And I said, Really? And um, she said, yeah, I mean, what's the, she might say no, that's the worst that can happen. Best case is that she says yes. And that, and then she said, yes, it was crazy. Ugh. It was amazing, it was
0: amazing. Such a great, amazing way to kick things off. And like, I mean, what a gem, what an American treasure, Miley Cyrus, or Mandy Morris and Miley Cyrus. But I mean, she was just so, it was just so funny to hear it from her perspective and to find out that they've never met. Is that I'm I'm like still it's, not clear on how that's it's goes. it's
1: unbelievable to me. That's the only way I can put it. Same. That they have never met, and also I just loved hearing about how things happen so quickly for her mm-hmm. being on the other side of it and being such a fan, and just being mm-hmm. such a fan girl, like and yeah. loving that energy. Like I just mm-hmm. love fans of anything. Oh, like I, I and her talking about how you know, suddenly she was just on TRL. And for me, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this girl is famous. And yeah, like she's a pop star and that she didn't really, that, that didn't, it didn't register to her in that way. And right. um, it's just interesting how we like perceive ourselves
0: and right. how, or how others perceive us. No, it was such a good episode. And so it, it's interesting. Cause it kind of like plays into exactly why I wanted to do this project of, you know, especially now with social media and everything's so shiny and glossy and perfect on the surface and that is never the case absolutely never and even in that day like oh people are on TRL and they've really made it and they have it all figured out and like she was a child <laughs> like mm-hmm, she was mm-hmm. just really good at you know playing along and she seems to have such a good head on her shoulders but like the reality is probably that they are you know, probably some terrifying parts to it that the public didn't get to see and that she had to figure out. And so it was really awesome to hear her be so transparent and honest about it. and I want more of that, which is why I want to keep talking to women and and getting stories.
1: yeah, um, and one of the things I love about about Brittany so much, and obviously, this was how my love grew for her because this didn't happen until uh, later, almost ten years into her career. but You know when she had that public breakdown, Mm -hmm. um, and at the time, I was pretty happy-go-lucky. Even up until I would say it wasn't—I didn't really face my stuff or or face adversity even probably until like in my late 20s. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really interesting. It's like when you have an experience like that, all it does is is Deepen everything, everything, everything deepens. Like, mm-hmm. and it's and it's amazing. And every hard thing that I've faced, I have. It's it's allowed me to be a better version of myself mm-hmm. and to grow. And I look at Brittany, and it's like it's not shiny and glossy. And right. it's like. And you would say, okay, her shiny, glossy moments are, you know, her workout videos and putting Mm on new dresses that she feels great in and she walks down a runway and she doesn't, and (laughs) she's happy with her children and things like that. Like when you see that, those are her happy, shiny, glossy moments. But we, we all saw her in motion Mm -hmm. as she was shaving her head. Mm -hmm. And. And it's like, yes, that, that is life. that's an extreme version, but Mm. she did something that the moment that we all have the luxury of having in private, she did it publicly. And, and yet there is life after that. And there's life during that too. Totally. During those hard times. And I mean, that's for me, I, that's what I love about her.
0: No, totally. And I think that's, I think a lot of people feel that connection. It's crazy. Like that era was wild like now looking back like at the time it felt weirdly normal that that's the direction we were all going but looking back now the paparazzi and just like the flashbulbs and just everything was so at like level 11 all the time just the attention and the fishbowl and it was just crazy and to think that she lived her formative years through that and then like tried to, you know, who knows what is going on or what has gone on with her mentally, emotionally, but to like figure that out in front of people the way she did, like, I think a lot of people feel connected to her because because we witnessed it. Yeah, it just, it blows my mind sometimes that like that Perez Perez Hilton era that she just really was a victim of. It's really crazy and a survivor of um, for sure. And that's part of why I love your podcast so much is because it really, I love the idea of kind of examining a time era, whatever, through the lens of Britney, because I think pop culture is so important. And I I get so annoyed when people, you know, disregard it or think it's frivolous or funny. And the thing that annoys me most is when people are like, oh, Michelle, you're so funny. You're so cute with your little pop culture things. And like, that's like nothing could be more infuriating to me. Um, Yeah. Well, also,
1: I think that the days of people saying that kind of statement to you are over because look who our president is. He was a part of pop culture. Right. And so it, they are one and the same pop right. culture is culture. It's, right. it is for better or worse.
0: Yeah. I just think I really appreciate that about the podcast and like hearing Damien uh, Fahey come on, like that was really fascinating to get like that inside perspective of what the hell was happening behind the scenes at that time. No, oh, I loved that. I it, loved talking to him. He was, he was great. And I, I was following him. Like I've been following him since MTV. I just, that time period, it just blows my mind now in retrospect, like how insane it was, but you're right. Not much has changed when we look at our government. I also love the way that you've talked about Brittany as a feminist. And I think, People who maybe are not well versed in Britneyology or in pop culture itself would not understand that. Can you talk a little bit about why you believe her to be a feminist?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, feminism is the belief that in inequality that Mm -hmm. everyone is equal. So it's very simple. Um, And I believe that she, when she talks about her. Her lingerie line, and she was asked, like, who, you know, who will you wear this for? And she responded that she would wear it for herself, mm-hmm. and she was really like confused yeah. uh, by that question. <laughs> and and we all know that Brittany doesn't have an agenda; she is <laughs> incapable of having an agenda, and so you can only believe what she says. And she meant it—that she she wanted to feel good, and if you you know, if you watch any of her Instagram videos, you can see how I think the greatest relationship she's ever had is with her physical being. She feels really strong in her body and she wants to like move, move through her life in her own way. And like, I, I, have said this before, I, I don't think she's doing the feminist reading list by any stretch of the imagination, but I think she believes in equality and it's, it's why, um, you know, she is so popular with so many different audiences and she's been so good to so many people who have, you know, been fighting for equality for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she has treated everyone with such respect and like, she's really you know, wanted to celebrate all of her fans. And I love that
0: about her. I do too. I love what you said, that equality is simple. And I, I listened to when you are on um, the Enthusiasm Enthusiast podcast, which I hadn't mm-hmm. heard of, which I just love that title. And I feel like I relate to it so hard. And I love that you said equality at the end of the day is really simple. And that's so, I mean, it's such a profound statement because it's, it's crazy the connotations that get attached to feminism to even the term equality. And when it's, it's really simple. And like, did it, what was your kind of like evolution of understanding feminism or understanding equality and how has it kind of developed over time?
1: Oh, um, wow. Um, you know, being really honest, I'm from such a traditional place and, and yet my mom raised my sister and I to be, to be independent and Mm -hmm. so much so that she has said this and she has a wonderful relationship now with both, um, my sister's husband and my husband, but it was really hard for her when, um, we, when both my sister and I got engaged because, she really saw us as these individuals. And, um, and I think that, that she, she knew that was going to change and she has a beautiful relationship with my father and they get along so well. And so there, my, my family would always say like, you just need to stick together with your partner and, and just be happy. And there's something that I've had, to, I've kind of struggled with in um, because I feel like that was the message and I, and I, and, I really struggled with that message at times because I can be like, I love collaborating. I love having a partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of times I won't um, like turn to myself or, Mm -hmm. or think what I'm doing is of any value. And it's really, it's, it's really the thing that I will always be working on. Like Mm -hmm. I've recognized that about myself I think when, obviously, when I went to to Emerson, it was the first time that I was um, in such a progressive environment.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It was just being surrounded by just like this color, colorful, um, like group of people. But what was interesting is that I went from such a, I went from going to a high school in the inner city of Albany, New York, where the I would say it was probably like, you know, 60, 40, 60, uh, percent was like white people. And then, uh, and 40 were African-American and, and then I went to Emerson and it was just like, I was surrounded by all of these like different, like even like Jewish people. Like I was like, oh my goodness, this is so exciting. And like even in upstate New York, you didn't have that. Um no, no, not really. Not really. I mean it was like we it was like Italian, Italian Catholics. Polish Catholics, Uh Irish Catholics. I will say,
0: Um, Catholics, very similar to Jewish immigrants. (laughs) I will say, (laughs) as a daughter of Jewish immigrants, we seem to be the same tribe, and I don't know why, but very similar. uh, So you were well-prepared.
1: Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, very well-prepared, very well-prepared. So I'm actually, I'm really grateful, though, because it was like having that experience in high school. Um, and then, and then having a different experience in college was really helpful, but also just being, uh, at Emerson, having such a, a, a strong, just gay community too, mm-hmm. was like really, uh, really, really impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it was probably in college where it was like, even having conversations about feminism, like for the very first time. Um, and then I, so it was like, I was really, I was raised to be a really strong woman and to be independent. And yet for some reason, I've always really struggled with, um, also being defined by my, my outside appearance. And I was really, really confident even throughout High school college and I had a horrible experience with an acting teacher out here in Los Angeles who's just a horribly abusive person and people have talked about her publicly so I feel like also now in 2018 it used to be like I'll never say her name to not give her any power and now it's like fuck it say this woman's name she's a monster she shouldn't be working why what are we doing like what's happening Um, but this this woman named Leslie Kahn she even has like this like cackling voice where she'll just like come in (laughs) I mean, she might even wear a cape. I have no idea. It's just, like, it's absolutely wild. But she, in a room with just, like, one other uh, male TA, stopped me in the middle of reading a scene with her and demanded that I lift my shirt up, and then I wouldn't. And then she came, and she, like, yanked on my bra straps Aww. and uh, told me to get new bras um, and uh, to make sure I got bangs because no one wanted to see wrinkles on a 20 something year old. Uh, and then she said she'd talk about my acting later. And that moment absolutely destroyed me. It was uh, just yeah. like, yeah, I would think so. In one fell swoop. I was like, I am ugly. I am because it was only about my appearance. Hmm. And, um, and so I, it's only until really recently Um, I would say over the last six years where, uh, I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm great. Everybody's great. Yes. Yes. Everybody's great. If I don't want to wear makeup today, I don't, I'm not going to wear makeup. If I'm not, if I don't want to wear, uh, wear a bra today and my, and like, I'm going to write all day from home and my husband's going to come home and find me this way. (laughs) Like. Like that's that's what's gonna happen. Totally. Um, and and meanwhile, like to me, I'm like, wow, this is so embarrassing that this mm-hmm. is something that ran through my head that I thought that that would matter. And then I'll, I would say it out loud, and my husband would be like, whoa, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, please don't like. I would never um define you in that way like that's not where your beauty comes from it comes from inside and uh so it's a journey I think but it's like if we don't talk about this stuff Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. share these honest feelings that we have about uh, um like it's like I feel like we're skipping over it a little bit where now it's like we don't need to do any of this we are who we are and it doesn't matter And, you know, Alison Bree and I talked a little bit about this and, you know, she did an interview where she was saying, you know, I am who I am. And yet I'm like, Ooh, I'm 35. Do you still think I'm sexy? Mm -hmm. And I just think we're doing a huge disservice if we skip over our honest internal feelings um, about our physical beings.
0: A hundred thousand percent. I have a billion things to say and I'm just like reacting and enthusiastically nodding and you can't see me, but this is still as much as we like to say, you know, that everyone's a feminist. It's so not true. And it's women are still held to this, not only unreasonable standards, but also just the fact that it's okay to vocalize that and base everything about that person's worth, you know, in the physical. And you know you say like you you're you're not sure why that was still like an an issue for you but it's because we live in this world like i don't know i always am blown away i don't actually believe that anyone is immune to it no. so I'm really grateful that you were talking about it. And I love that episode with Alison Brie and you got me obsessed with glow because of that episode, <laughs> uh, it's the best show. But yeah, I think women need to be, because if it's not weight, if it's age. And if it's not age, it's something else. And there's just always going to be a thing. And it's crazy. I, I agree that if we don't talk about it, we're missing it. We're just, we're just glossing over it. And oh, then-
1: absolutely. And we, I live in the, the, the Instagram era and it's mm-hmm. just like, how can we, I mean, we're saying like, we have all the power and it's our time and, right. uh, and uh, I won't be defined by this. And yet then everybody's still using filters. I'm, I'm just like,
0: what is Happening. <laughs> I, it, I mean, that's all you can say. That's literally just, that's like the 2018 motto, I think. And it, it's crazy. I have two nephews and a niece, and my niece is eight. And I just like, it's so bizarre to me because we really were that last generation to know what life was like before all of this. And it's just nuts that, like, her little brain is wired. She doesn't know a world before. Instagram she knows Snapchat filters better than I do like she can operate a phone like out of the womb and it's just like she's such a great strong amazing girl like I I know she is but it I I freak out sometimes watching her and just thinking like it's so fragile like that like it's such a fragile like balance that can get disturbed so easily and especially now with all of this shit
1: Mm -hmm. and like
0: Granted, Britney's abs didn't make me feel great when I was in high school, but, like, she was a celebrity. You know, it was, like, celebrities have never necessarily been attainable. But now it's, like, everybody. The kids. Now use-
1: every, yes, now everyone is viewed as a celebrity.
0: Right. That's,
1: that is the difference. But I, and I will say, like, knowing a few, too, you right. see the other side of the pressure that they feel. Right. Right. And they still feel it. Like, right. th- there is no, that didn't,
0: that hasn't gone away. Right. Probably worse, I would think. And it's kind of, so that's also what I'm interested in. Like, you are in this industry. What are some of the like more nuanced challenges that women come up against? That clearly there's the obvious, like women are told they're fat and ugly and old constantly. <laughs> are there more kind of insidious undercurrents of, women are not equal, like in the entertainment industry that people may not know about?
1: Hmm. Um, you know, when I first, when I first moved to LA, Mm
0: -hmm. okay.
1: So when in, so in 2004, and Mm -hmm. so cut to me at this, that horrible acting studio at Leslie Kahn, Mm -hmm. um, at the time, the theme was hot girls, hot girls, pretty people. They, it was like, it was very formulaic. And that's what was in vogue at the time. Right. And so you would see them all come through the studio. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone had, you know, you were supposed to dress a certain way. Your hair was supposed to be cut a certain way. And you uh, were supposed to be at a, a certain weight. And and then all of a sudden, it was like, it was Lena Dunham, Mindy Kaling. all All of a sudden, it just started, there was a shift. And I specifically remember being at that studio and being like, oh, huh, you know, things are, things are changing a little bit. And that suddenly that it it was not in vogue to be perfect. It was in vogue to be an individual. I saw a window. Like I was like, there, there's the, that, that, oh, there's the light. But the thing was at that time, I didn't even realize it, but I was trying to fit in some sort of box that I started to kind of lose just a tiny piece of myself. Mm-hmm. And so I had to lean into the discomfort of, uh, getting to know myself again. And so I think that now I feel so much freer. There's still mm-hmm. the, 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 the things that I was, I was talking about of, um, mm-hmm you know i look in the mirror and i'm like fuck i'm getting older like time is running out i'm missing opportunities because of that right.
0: those
1: those i have those moments and then also i'm like i don't have those moments i feel mm-hmm. you know i i met a woman named priyanka matu mm-hmm. um at a friend's wedding uh 7 or 8 years ago and she um she was an agent at wme For a time and she was really responsible for helping break Ellie Kemper and Jenny Slate and Kumail Nanjiani and and all these amazing people and she uh, met her at the wedding she got my information not from me. From someone else, and she emailed me after and she asked me to go out for drinks. And we were sitting there and she said, What are you working on? And I said, Nothing, I'm an actor and um, I don't have a job, so nothing right now. And she said, No, you're a writer. And I said, No, oh my gosh, I'm not. And she said, Yes, you are. And she said, So what would you want to write? And I said, Oh gosh, no, 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 no. So we went out a second time and she said, What are you working on? And I said, I am not a writer. And she said, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you keep doing what you're doing, your career will stay exactly where it is. Mm-hmm. And something tells me you're not happy with that. Mm-hmm. The days are gone of just like being funny and auditioning and and doing the grind.
0: Mm-hmm. There, it's
1: over, mm-hmm. and you have to start writing now. And you have to like find your voice.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: was so terrifying. And I still face it. And this was now. So now, yeah. So this was like seven years ago, and it took me a year to kind of be brave enough. And I started writing this, that show, that musical comedy act. And, and that kind of started to open the door. And then I like sold my first show and things like that. And, and I just started writing, just started writing. And, um, and I face it every single time. Like I will have severe like performance anxiety, like, but it's for, for writing. Cause I'm like, these are my words. I can't, I can't, I I'm so I'm terrified to do this. Right. And thank God she pushed me Right. to do it. So if anything I would say what I've really learned is that um instead of like a an underbelly of like how things are harder for women it's been the women who I've met since moving here who have changed my life mm-hmm. and who have encouraged me to be the best version of myself and they've encouraged me to face my shadows and they've encouraged me to to push and to go to the next level and to get across that finish line and they're smart and they're talented. And, uh, I hope that I have been that for so many of my friends as well. I I hope I just even a little
0: bit. That's so, I mean, that is exactly why I wanted to do this. I mean, aside from just wanting to tell awesome women's stories, like I, I love connecting with women and I just find that women are, we're really good at supporting one another. We're not great at supporting ourselves all the time, but I mean, I just know so many amazing women who want to do good for other women. And so I really want to create an environment where that's possible. I don't know how to do it with this yet, but I do really believe in that. And I do think like there is so much good there and women are pit against each other so much um, unnecessarily when, we're so strong together. Like it's, that's really awesome to hear. You've had so many positive examples of that.
1: And and you know, like, are we, they don't, we don't necessarily, we're not like pit against each other, but I feel that um, there can be a competitive nature. That's just, it's triggering because that's what has been, it's just been woven into the fabric of this culture. And so it's not anyone's fault. I've found more, more support than, than, than not.
0: That's awesome. Um, Since moving here. Yeah, for sure. So nice to hear, especially like in LA where you don't hear that that often. So I'm really happy to hear that that does exist in, in that environment. Looking back now, you know, 20 year old Jen, if you could give her advice and you know, or any girl just starting out at that age in today's world, like what advice do you have for someone just at the beginning of their career who really hasn't had these experiences to teach them (laughs) to be, you know, more confident in themselves? What would you tell them? I would say, I would say go like hell.
1: Don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to show up for other people. You know, I feel like some, so much of the time it's like, um, I can't, uh, like, like you you gotta want to learn from other people. It's like a paying your dues. There's a little bit now. I, I, I feel like, um, there's a lot of, I'm gonna make this thing and become like famous from doing it. Like Mm -hmm. I'm creating my brand. I'm creating my, my thing. And like, especially when you're in your twenties, if you can find someone Who's even just five years older than you, who you can learn from? That's when you go like hell. Like yeah. you just show up for them. How can I be of service? How can I learn from you? How can I watch you? How can I learn from my mistakes? Like, let me not like, I don't want to defend myself. Like if I fuck up because I'm going to all the time, like, mm-hmm. like I want to know, like, how what what did I do? How can I learn from that? How can I um how can i be a part of something and then and then go on to create something for myself and and, and it's okay you're not you're not going to know all you're not going to have the answers you're not going to have all the answers there's no way how could you no. how i mean i look back and i'm like even even after college, like four years, four great years at Emerson where people are constantly making things. And that was like the greatest, the greatest school for me. Cause it was just like action. It's not like talking about it. Mm-hmm. You get there and people are making things. And it was like shocking to me. I was like, Oh my gosh, it felt like, you know, when Dorothy like walks out and she's, in Oz <laughs> and she's like,
0: Whoa, what is this place?
1: That's right. how I felt when I got to Emerson. So, so I would say just like, learn from people, learn from people. I mean, and now I'm still, I'm still doing that and like getting to having the opportunity to walk into certain rooms. Now I'm like, who, who can go with me in those rooms mm-hmm. or leaning on, um, and seeking out advice and, 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 and listening to it. Asking for it and then listening. It's not like, will you sit in this room with me so then you can help me get to the next level? It's like, I want nothing from you other than like your thoughts about me and then, and then, and listening, really letting that in. Um,
0: So that's even new for me. That's awesome. I I do think a lot of us could do more listening, just period. I think that would probably go a long way in solving a lot of our problems. So I think that's just general good wisdom. And then for you, I mean, what's next? So can I look forward to more episodes, please? Yes. Yes. We're
1: doing, so we're doing the second season that will come out in January in early 2019. And um. And then I'm working on um, doing a project with the hotline. So I created a, a hotline. If you have a Brittany emergency, oh, absolutely, uh, you can call. And uh, and so I'm I'm going to do a project with that. Um, and uh, because what I've really discovered is that they're for the first time it's so, it's so exciting to have an audience that's outside of Los Angeles. And Mm -hmm. it's been the most exciting thing for me. I I love, I love people. I Mm -hmm. love, um, I just love people. I love knowing their, their stories and how they feel about things. And so the hotline has been amazing. I love it. I listen to the messages all the time. And so I wanted to do something where I can really create a community and participate, um, and, and have it be like a flow, like, back and forth with with the listeners. So I'm focused on that. And then I've just been writing a ton. And then everything else is like half baked. So hopefully there will be more fun things to come. Oh, I have no doubt.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. And half baked I think is a good place to be. I think that's the most exciting is when things are like possibilities. Oh man. So much fun talking with Jen and I hope you guys love listening as much as I love talking with her. I could talk for five more hours. If you are obsessed and ready to hear two full glorious seasons of We Need to Talk About Brittany, you can find it on all the podcast platforms. So like, subscribe, share. You won't regret it. Season three is coming out this fall thank God and you'll definitely want to catch up before that so stay tuned subscribe make sure you're ready for that and if you want to follow Jen she's on Instagram at Jennifer Zaborowski Z-A-B-O-R-O-W-S-K-I girl after my own heart with the many letters in her last name and you can also find her on Twitter at JZabs J-Z-A-B-S if you want to follow me I would love if you did I'm Michelle K Media on all the things and this podcast has its own Instagram. It's at by a thread podcast. I would so appreciate if you liked, subscribed, rated, shared the show. And I really hope you keep listening. I'll have more for you soon. Okay. Bye.